Welcome to the bridge. Back at it again here this week with my co-host Zach. Um, really got a good, interesting album. Uh, kind of a uh, Australian artist that is popping uh, at the moment. Um, you've been living some pretty decent weather here in uh, in St. John's. Uh, looks like spring. Expecting snow uh, this weekend, so that's gonna suck. But it's uh, lifted my mood as of late. And uh, I think this album has helped uh, uh, be be the soundtrack to that for me uh, for me this week. What's the uh, what's the weather there like in, uh, in Germany? Yeah, the spring weather is starting to come around. However, the Corona pandemic is still raging. So, yeah, <laughs> not much to not enjoy. Really, not much to enjoy except the beautiful nature. And right. luckily, there's lots of parks in the city. So that's perfect. Mm-hmm. So uh, this week we are covering Genesis Owusu and his uh, debut album, uh, Smiling With No Teeth. So had you heard anything of this artist before we decided to talk about him this week? I had no idea who he was. Uh, I think that's pretty common. I didn't really know about him until I started going doing some looking and listening to some tracks and... Uh, some of the some of the tracks off this album really caught my attention. Uh, really, not what I was expecting from the uh, album cover and the kind of energy that it, it, it exudes. Um, but this is a very album, interesting album. Yeah, the album cover, in my opinion, is a bit of a misfire. It doesn't really s- represent the sound that's on the record. No, not at all. You would think more, um, maybe like. That this trap wave that's been going on, you'd expect something yeah. more in that in that pocket. Um, but maybe that's the point that he's trying to convey here. Because uh, in a world of uh, trap music uh, being all the rage and and Twitter and hi hats, this uh, this album is a pretty uh, big fresh uh, fresh air, a breath of fresh air, I would say. Yeah, it brings in a lot of. R&B elements and uh, some funk too, which I really like, and then combines rap as well. Right, there's a tracks. there's a lot of um, I would say a combination of black music, in general, uh, on this album, uh, be it your funk or your rap or some of your soul and and uh, even some maybe not so much black oriented music like uh, uh, new wave and, and synth pop as well on this album. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely not one specific track I can think of in particular. Right. There's a, there's a lot of uh, influences I, I actually felt going through this album that uh, really stood out to me. Uh, one of them being Gorillaz. Uh, did you pick up on that as well? Mm, no, I didn't really get a Gorillaz vibe. Makes a little bit of sense now that you mention it, but uh, it never crossed my mind. Right, I was listening to this, and I I got a lot of that eclectic beat uh, that you would get in uh, a Gorillaz album. Some more of the more modern Gorillaz, I would say, um, and then a lot of the funk and like I feel like they're pulling some similar influences uh, over this. But the, there's also some Talking Head influences, Kendrick Lamar, Prince, uh, a lot of people in that domain that that. Uh, Genesis is pulling from to pull this album together. Yeah, I got the I got the Prince vibes. I got the Kendrick Lamar vibes. Talking Heads is interesting. 
just because they're such a distinct band. Maybe like not. Um, yeah, maybe not remain in light. But maybe some of the other albums from Talking Heads. A new wave kind of uh, synth pop element to it that I would uh, uh, pull from this. And he's actually cited them as influences uh, himself. Uh, okay, so yeah. that's where I think they're coming from. Yeah, it definitely has an early 80s new wave vibe going on some of these songs for sure. Absolutely. I think there's a, a lot of that feeling. Um, the album is also uh, 54 minutes long. Um 53 plus um so it's a bit of a longer album but i think it does a good job filling that time with a lot of compelling music actually i would think there's not one lazy song i don't find on on the whole album right i would argue there's some miss uh how would i phrase this um some messy songs i would say but nothing, I would say, intentionally uh, lazy or anything like that. Everything has an effort to it and a creativity to it. Um, I don't think everything comes together um, quite the way that he wants it to on some of these tracks. Um, but there's definitely an effort and a, a, an attempt to create something unique uh, or at least inspired on every one of these tracks, which is can't be downplayed. Yeah, it's definitely a bit of an eclectic arrangement of songs um and i just wonder because it's 54 minutes 53 minutes and also 15 tracks right and uh even though i say there's not one lazy song that doesn't necessarily mean that i don't feel that perhaps some of the songs were filler or not even necessarily filler but i wonder what whether or not they were necessary to put on the album right there's a few i I feel like they're all pretty good at least at the very bare minimum but the album does get a little clogged uh during some listens but uh i think they still do a good job with pacing and and keeping everything going and flowing in a, in a well and structured way regardless of that like for if you're going to do a 53 minute album i think or 54 i think they do a pretty good job of putting it together uh, if you're going to do that. But I do agree with you, maybe a few trims here and there would definitely help the listening experience. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so this is a uh, Australian artist, um, originally from Ghana, uh, Ghana trans, uh, or Australian transplant from Ghana. Uh, I believe he said he moved there when he was two. Um, so most of his, his life has been uh, being raised in a very uh, white uh, area of Australia. And that leads into a lot of the lyrics and some of the content uh, and song topics that he'll cover on this album, uh, actually, uh, growing up in such a, a dominantly white area. Yeah, I picked that up in the lyrics, too, specifically on the title track, Smiling With No Teeth. Right, right. Um, so how did your, your initial listens go with this one when you first put it on? Kind of How would your reaction come across? Well... I already shared my reaction about the album cover, so I came in thinking it was going to be like a trap album, mm-hmm. and it's not, but then when I put on the first song, On The Move, I shuddered a little bit because I said, oh no, is this going to be an hour of sort of oversaturated, super produced music that is not really going to 
not going to be something that could be reproduced on stage and therefore lose you know not have much of a human touch and therefore leave me cold but uh, luckily as the as the listening progressed and I got into the album and saw the spectrum of genres and influences that he played with and sort of dialed back on the on the production effects and in fact incorporated more analog type instruments I was uh, pleasantly surprised right right there's a this is a very experimental uh, tinged album there's a lot of ideas uh, uh, put on this album Uh, a lot of them are really good some of them probably weren't developed to their potential or maybe should have been left alone um i think in some songs like centerfold that comes to my mind when i when i say that um which is a very choppy song that Mm -hmm. with some elements i don't think really quite come together but it's eclectic enough and it holds a personality and energy that it isn't bad but i feel like maybe that uh one of those times where He's experimenting through this album that I think maybe a little more workshopping could have fixed the song a little bit better. Um, the first think, song... Oh, go ahead. I think Centerfold is a good example of how the vocal distortion, his he plays around with vocal distortion and vocal sound effects a fair amount on the record, and I think Centerfold is a, is a case where it, it falls flat for me anyways. Right, right. Um, the first song, actually, I don't know if you picked this up, and for me, immediately, it sounded like he was doing his best uh, MC Ride impression. Um, and there are a few times on this album where I feel like he he, he has a very um, distinctive performance that is very reminiscent of some other act, be it Prince or uh, Anderson Pack or MC Ride here on the, on the opening, when he, he kind of delves into some of the more punky kind of aesthetics that he that he does or like kind of more of a synth punk kind of element um mm-hmm. on the move fits that uh black dogs is another one that that fits that aesthetic to me both these songs uh, that i just mentioned are less than two minutes long they kind of pull out a little bit of punk element uh on the move i didn't dislike that song uh, i actually kind of enjoyed it but it does give a bit of a um it doesn't quite encompass what the album is, and I can see it being very misleading. Um, in fact, when I first heard it, uh, I also had a different impression of what I was going to be hearing on the rest of the album. I was expecting some more Denzel Curry, um, banger, you know, deep vocals, um, a little more strained and shouty in that kind of Florida pocket of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not what I got at all. In fact, I got a lot of uh, 80s nostalgia on this album, um, which starts to come out more um, in the second track, uh, The Other Black Dog. Yeah, Wait Nanya is another song that is, they stre- they, he stretches the song out really long. It's the longest track on the record. And towards the end, I think the last minute and 15 or the last minute, there's like a it almost becomes a whole new song. There's like a whole new movement that sort of it has a bit of a tacked on feel. Right. There's a there's a kind of a collage of ideas going on on this album, um, and I just would I would have liked to see him um, trim some of the some of them and kept some of the more stronger ones alive. 
Uh, but I think there's a bit, uh, I think he was a bit overambitious with some some of these ideas that he was going for. And... Also, on this on this track, The Other Black Dog, uh, the black dog is an image that sort of functions as a thematic motif that reoccurs on several songs the record what exactly do you think he he's referring to with this image of the black dog uh there's two black dogs that he refers to um one is an image of racism and the other is an image of depression uh and he talks about those in uh, different ways as you go through the uh through the album uh, i believe black dog was a, a callback to something he was called uh in australia growing up in a predominantly white area and so mm-hmm. he wants to talk about um, these two things as racism and his depression. And he wanted to talk about them without like going quite into like statistics and just numbing your brain with numbers. And he wanted to take a more personalized approach uh, and talk about experiences and ideas and, and feelings surrounding these two things. So you'll hear a lot of references to the black dog uh, in, in various songs on this album and in fact to a point where it kind of feels like it was a should have been maybe the album title but um so the idea of the black dog is that he's linking uh racism and depression together right right and in certain times throughout these songs he's talking about one or he's talking about the other one um in the song that you mentioned uh just not long ago uh waiting, waiting on, on you yeah yes he, yeah. he refers to the uh black dog or the uh, or the merchant in the city talks about uh, with the black fur coat. Uh, in this one, he's he's specifically talking more about uh, depression and uh, how it kind of like uh, in in this kind of metaphor as a, of a someone someone who's offering him. And it actually comes off when I read my notes as a very of uh, anyone who's uh, listened to to Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick it comes off very much like this Lucy figure that is a uh, is dominant in that album and so let's move on to centerfold because you said you that was one of your least favorite tracks on the record right right i think it's all right but i i just felt like uh some of the choppy vocal samples and the, and the stutter rhythm came off a little bit tedious to me uh, yeah it came off as being a little bit like you said uh workshopped a little bit experimental and uh a little less refined than some of the other tracks on the album and i find when the album starts playing around with a lot of different production techniques and using different effects and stuff uh, that's when it starts to lose me a little bit but when it stays very when the vision is very clear and he's keeping within the genres that influence him mm-hmm. um even though I guess you could say, you know, this is a nod to the new wave. But I guess I, I guess in that sense, you could say, whenever he really goes deep into this new wave pocket, I find the, the al- the quality of the album dips a little bit, versus the R and B soul and funk. And especially, uh, he has such a great voice. I don't know why he's, you know, concealing it with these uh, sound effects and distortion. Right. I think he's trying to. I think he's lifting again from Kendrick Lamar when he does that. I think he's trying to create these like characters and uh, mm-hmm. different motifs with his voice when he and he alters them. Um, 
but I agree with you. Sometimes it comes off a little uh, harder to listen to, and I wish the kind of effect that he put on it was a little different or where he strayed away from it because he does have a, a great range in, in yeah. his vocal performance. There's several songs where he, he, he d- delivers a vocal performance that is completely different from another uh, another one. The one that stood out uh, particularly to me, yes, uh, Smiling With No Teeth. He completely changes uh, the title uh, title track of the album. He completely changes his vocal performance to be a very deep and and, and, and kind of soulful uh, a sample of his range, where he he can be a lot creamier and like more Anderson Packy on some other tracks. And some other tracks, he's you know kind of barking and and more punk orientated. Uh, he kind of reaches like a bunch of like different places with his vocals that is really interesting and, and adds to the performances on this album. Yeah, I agree, and uh, it's just a it's just proof as to why it doesn't need to, you know. I think sometimes the soundboard can be a little bit alluring, especially for young artists with a lot of ideas. So, what were some of these like? What parts of the album attracted you the most? Because uh, you said you listened to this um, beginning to end, uh, right, a few times, but then after that you started. Uh, picking and choosing your your tracks. What what tracks did you find yourself going back to? Okay, yeah. So the tracks that stood out to me were "Waiting on You," "Drown," "Smiling with No Teeth." I really like "Whipcracker," and then the track thirteen and fourteen, a song about fishing and no looking back, which are some of the more very, I would say, stripped back R and B songs on the on the whole album. I right. thought it was a nice that was a nice way to start closing down and winding down the mood of the album. Right. There's a, a particularly I think a song about fishing is an amazing track, but I want to talk to you a little bit about Drown um, because I did kind of struggle with Drown a little bit. I thought this one was a messy, a bit of a, more of his messy. Uh, eclectic songs that didn't quite land with me. What was it that you pulled from it? Uh, I just, of all those new wave nods, this was the one that uh, made me feel the most nostalgic for that era of music and I thought was the best of those types of songs that were executed on the track or on the album, sorry. And so that's why I I, yeah, it stuck out to me. But the ones that, to me, stood out and and uh, motivated my re-listens were similar to yours. The song with Fishing, Whipcracker, uh, I Don't See Color was one, uh, Gold Chains, um, uh, The Other Black Dog, Wait Nanya is good as well, and Smiling With No Teeth. And, and that's like a lot of songs. And yeah. uh, when, you, when you have an album of this size and we say that some of these songs kind of feel like you need to trim the fat a little bit. It's not very much I think you need to trim here. Um, maybe a song or two. Uh, bring it down to the 45-minute uh, range or something. Um, because there's a lot of good, well-written songs here that really stand out and and uh, shine gold, in, in my opinion. While there's some like you know little meh songs in here, there's absolute gold on this album. Uh, in terms of like the chorus work and how his understanding of beats and rhythm 
and keeping everything groovy and moving. It's so hard not to listen to this album and not feel uh, a, a feeling of contentment with with its energy or just moving and grooving with it. Even though he does speak about uh, themes of racism and, and depression, he kind of hides it under such funky and, and moving uh, passages of, uh, of instrumentation that it kind of gets a... It's kind of he's kind of like uh, secretly uh, sliding these these stories in there, uh, as he has these interesting flows even over some of these beats. Uh, yeah. This album. Yeah, with the with the social issues and the racial issues that he speaks about on the album, it's the melancholy is never reflected in the in the mood of the music. Right. Like you said, he sort of conceals it under these. Uh, you know, funky melodies or you know some cool beats, and uh, I would say it's n- it's not until you get to the more R and B orientated songs towards the end that uh, the mood of the music reflects the reflects the same mood in the in the in the lyrics, the sentimentalism. Yeah, I think the uh, the best song to really ex- kind of accentuate that point would be a song about fishing. Uh, which I'd like to talk about because uh, I think it might be my favorite song on the album. Okay, yeah. Uh, I really like No Looking Back, so it's interesting that you would pick the most similar track to it, but yeah, say it's your favorite song. So why exactly do you like a song about fishing so much? It's just because of how simple it is and how carefree it comes off and mm-hmm. his vocal delivery... Uh, a vocal melody on this track is so warm and uh, embracing uh, and just kind of feels so carefree as he, he reads or he sings off his chorus and rise and shine to dawn I wake to cast my net in a fishless lake and he just sings this so smooth and his creamy voice and he's saying more with it obviously he's, he's talking about this like fishless lakes uh, analogy that he mentions uh, in another uh, song as well um, but I just enjoy this um, harmony that comes out in the song and this warmth that encompasses me when I listen to it that I can't help but uh, enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I like No Looking Back for all the same reasons, except that it also has a vocal harmony on the record, or on the track, sorry, that makes it stand out to me above a song about fishing. But both very good tracks, I really like. And yeah, some beautiful, beautiful vocal melodies that uh, are just, like you say, so warm and is a nice... I just think they're so perfectly placed, even though they're so they're very similar and they're placed right next to each other. But after the sort of ambitious early part of the record, or the first 12 songs of the record, I thought they were a good way to sort of, you know, relax and sort of ease into the end of the album right right it's just a it's just kind of a happy song i I just feel like you know even though it's kind of like the melancholy and kind of you know dreamy i i I can't help but feel content about the this imagery that he they casts Uh, another song that i think you mentioned that uh, i also really liked was whipcracker yeah Mm -hmm. i i enjoyed the energy and when i say i enjoy the energy um, I kind of time with the sentiment of the song and the kind of uh, approach he takes lyrically here. 
Um, but I also just enjoy kind of like the the minimalism that kind of encompasses the first half of this this track. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just simply like a beat and just a little bit of flourishing here or there, and he's just he flows over the top of it and you know hitting his hitting his rhymes and and staying on time. Uh, it, it really is a compelling to listen to him and actually hear what he's saying. Um, and it, it's just a lot of like a, a supporting and uh, de- defaming kind of like the racism and kind of like a more jaded and, and harsh people that are in society. I think he kind of uh, specifically calls it people at bar and like sexual assault and stuff like that. And he just kind of like gives this uh, kind of, I want to say social justice kind of a feel to it, but like okay. not, not, in a kind of uh, a pretentious way, I would say. I'm I'm lacking the better uh, word here, but you know, just kind of being like a pr- uh, decent human, you know. And, and I kind of like uh, some of his uh, his lines here. Uh, you a woman beater, but you still want respect. Fucker bet. Sit your ass in prison, sucker. You get checked. I digress. Goofy motherfucker, slip and you get slept. Uh, hope you wept. You ain't gonna get saved. I'm on my Malcolm X. And it's just like that's the most like kind of like harsh and like direct and aggressive he gets on like the entire album uh, when he's like talking about these people uh, that he kind of like gets really pissed off with and like he's jaded about and like he's seen throughout his life as he's uh, grown up. So I I, re- I really like the song. Yeah, to follow up, part of what I like about the record is the rap and hip-hop elements don't go into this you know intense violence and becomes and doesn't become really vulgar it it rises above that uh, and there this are, is an example there's some vulgars like this this track is vulgar in, in a lot of its ways yeah but i mean compared to you know gangster rap and stuff like this uh, i mean uh, it's pretty mild yeah, yeah, sure. It's a it's mild in that in that regard, and like the context and content of the song is uh, is a lot different, and the aggression is is tunneled towards a little different of, of an object that you would might see in some other uh, some other rap or hip hop uh, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's a it's a progressive voice in uh, in hip hop and in rap. Right. Getting beyond this, uh, you know violent mentality that saturated some saturates so much of so much of that music um referring back to what you're saying earlier about the track sort of having two sides part of the reason i like the track is because it's really well balanced in the second half i really get a lot of those prince nods with because there's a there's a guitar riff that mm-hmm. starts playing and it has that really funky, you know, uh, Prince freestyle um, guitar riffs. Right. And yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, the first half has this kind of like metronome kind of beat to it, and then it, it gets into the second half, and then there's like the guitars that fill up that space in the background, and the the sounds come and flourish around this kind of metronome beat, and. Uh, he goes on on top of that as well with an interesting flow, and I ended up really enjoying this song a lot. And so you said you like Gold Chains also. I did. I did like Gold Chains. How did you feel about that song? 
Uh, well, why don't you explain first, since uh, you like it. Not that I dislike it, but uh wasn't one of my favorites. Uh, I thought it was, like again, one of these good examples of his ver- versatility on the album. I thought it was a very groovy song. Uh, I'm going to use the word creamy a lot, because he, he exemplifies that a lot. Uh, I enjoyed the chorus on this as well. Uh, uh, when it looks so gold, but it feels so cold inside these chains, yeah. And he kind of goes back to that mentality as well and he talks about kind of like this uh talks about fame i would believe or this kind of mentality around wearing chains and stuff in in hip-hop in general and he kind of like kind of denounces kind of that idea of, of wearing gold and i think it's kind of accentuated again with kind of the image he projects uh with this this face wrap and gold teeth and all these uh, gold finger uh, rings and stuff. I think he's kind of crit- criticizing that, and even though he kind of is adonishing it, I think it's more s- done in in kind of a statement. And I think he brings that, like, that statement here um, in this song. And uh, I, I ended up enjoying the the message of it, and even the chorus work. And it was very. Um, I thought it was one of the, his better pieces. Yeah, okay, yeah, so it's one of the more ironical songs, you could say. I think it's a kind of like a, just a critique on, on hip-hop culture, I think is what he's making, and he wants to bring some attention to this um, this idea of wearing gold chains and this um, and kind of the hypocrisy of it in, in some in some ways. And, and I think, yeah. yeah, he goes, uh, it kind of goes into that topic, and I, I found it pretty compelling. Yeah, so like we were saying earlier at the beginning, how he wears you know gold fronts and has gold rings on his fingers, in the on the album cover. But really, it's a, it's a he's wearing it ironically because, like this song, demonstrates he's actually critiquing, the image that has been built up around, uh, hip hop and, rap and black artists in general. And and he's also making kind of this like black history kind of statement about like how you know his people has come from chains in in some ways you know um being in latched in, in slavery that there's also like a statement that he's he's kind of making about uh, about these chains and then he's also making another statement about fame and how appealing that going for this fame and and this goal kind of is a exemplification of, of fame but it ends up being uh a chain in, in instead that holds him down um yeah he, he talks about in the verse a bit about like i hope the stress don't kill me they chip away my heart and expect a coin to fill me so he's he's kind of speculating upon his 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 drive to be an artist in his young age because i believe he's only like 22 and uh, in kind of like these riches in, in vain that uh he is a uh, he's drawn to but also being aware of kind of like the the darkness that comes with it and kind of the uh yeah the superficiality of fame is a is a artistic limitation potentially right so where did you come from when you when you heard this song uh it's not that i dislike gold chains but i just thought musically it wasn't uh, it was one of the maybe more simpler songs it really just whole has a has a steady beat lifted up and then as the song progresses it develops some more production flourishes and has some a little bit of scratchy guitar in the background towards the end thought that 
similar to a lot of songs, it has a, a good culminating effect towards the end with uh, with all these pro- with production flourishes occurring, um, the guitar playing in the background, the beat still hitting, and uh, sometimes there'll be like a vocal harmony playing. But uh, it just didn't stand out necessarily against some of the other stronger tracks on the record. But uh, after you broke down the lyrics just now, it's, it's sort of got, taken a new life for me. It's, it seems more compelling. What did you think of kind of these punkier tracks? Like we mentioned earlier, uh, the second Black Dog track, which is just like a two minutes long um, and on the move. And you you've kind of stated your opinion on the move. Uh, how did you feel about the second Black Dogs track? What I really liked about Black Dogs was that, to me, it was I guess the the punk element of On the Move didn't occur to me at first because of uh, the heavy production on that track. Right. However, with Black Dogs, there's a... sorry, go ahead. And I was saying you probably had a lot of ideas about what you were about to listen to as you went into On the Move that maybe that kind of. Uh misguided some of your views of it maybe um whereas by the time you get the black dogs which is the 10th track you kind of had seen more of the scope of the album that a track like this kind of fit better in, in, in a way that i might comment on it is i wish they didn't start with on the move i think on the mm-hmm. move would have fit um somewhere in the middle a little bit better uh, in terms of its pacing um but go ahead yeah, you're right. It uh, is certainly not representative of the scope of the album. If anything, it sort of pigeonholes it a little bit. And then I had this sort of pigeonholed mentality when I went further into the album. But as the album progressed, that uh, wore away. However, Black Dogs has a really strong bass line. Right. That was one of my highlights for this song as well. I, I thought the bass line was uh, really the core of the song. Yeah, and it has a great vocal performance, too. Very sort of erratic and uh, chaotic. Really cool. Right, right. And that's, again, that, that punk energy that comes with it. And it's kind of, it's pacing as well. Uh, it comes and goes pretty quickly, but it does stand out uh, among the, the playlist with how unique it is. Because it is a, one of two songs that have that kind of energy. And the first song is a more of a Death Grips kind of song that kind of transitions into more of an Indietronic kind of feel. Um, so it is a kind of a weird uh, pseudo punky song where this is more straightforward. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even though, yeah, it certainly does have uh, those death grips, ele- death grip elements, but uh, is more, yeah, that bass line just really holds up the track. Right. You mentioned mm-hmm. uh, no looking back earlier, and I did want to talk about this song because I really did enjoy it. And I mostly enjoyed it because of the really creative uh, uh, twist that they, in the flip, that they do on the Full House chorus. Okay, <laughs> that's funny. Because I was like, man, is this, a, is this a cover of that Full House song? And I had to go look up what the Full House song was and read the lyrics to make sure it wasn't the same song. Right, right. It's not the same song, but they, they deliver the chorus in that kind of same like vocal yeah. melody and it's a full flip and it's full change is completely different but at the same time you can you can pull that influence out of it really uh, definitively and it's it's really creative i think it's one of the better uh structured and, and ideal songs on the on the whole album um 
So I agree with you in liking that. I just did ended up leaning more towards uh, Songbird Fishing, but this was that was a fantastic track, and I I just thought that was so clever. Okay, I was a little bit embarrassed to admit that because I thought, oh man, I'm such an idiot. But uh, that that's a that's a thing. Okay. Well, well, that's right. I I imagine that's what was going on. Like we're both getting the yeah. same uh, the same reference popping at us, and I really thought that that was a, just a flip on that, you know, uh, very intentional. Mm-hmm. I thought. Uh, and move from there because it is very different and they only they, he even changes the line he says uh on the song but it's all in that same cadence and and it seems pretty on the nose to me so i, I really yeah that yeah the chorus definitely has the same melody as the as that full house theme song right right so i i, I thought that was cute and i liked it so I, I was into that one so i i also really enjoyed that one yeah um so i think we covered like most of the highlights of the album um do do you want to mention uh, "Smiling with No Teeth" since it's the since it's the title track? I did uh, mention it kind of in passing, but uh, please, uh, anything that you'd like to add. So this track is again one of the more socio-political tracks on the album, and he sort of covers a a lot of topics on the, on the in the lyrics. What stood out to me was how he seems like he's putting forward a narrative that um, it's like a feel-good, bittersweet narrative. Obviously, smiling with no teeth, like someone who's being beat up, mm-hmm. but it's maintaining a positive attitude. However, he does go into some critiques of, I guess, especially with uh, a lot of the Black Lives Matter events that happened last year. And the protests in the United States and around the world uh, last summer about speaking up and being and actively taking part in forwarding black rights and equal rights and people who support it but don't do anything about it. Right. There's also like that imagery of um, um, or uh, medical. Mm-hmm. He, he he writes here. Many cries have cried with no tears. Uh, too many smiles cracked with no teeth. And the image I kind of got with this is kind of optimism and hopefulness and uh, drive for the future through trauma and uh, repression and racism and stuff like that. Uh, uh, to me, it, it kind of came off as him speaking about his traumas and his depression and his uh, experiences with the black dogs that he talks about throughout the, the album. Um, and here he kind of gives this metaphor of smiling with no teeth, which is like the, uh, this image of like smiling through the pain and through the trauma mm-hmm. of someone who, you know, uh, emit, like through this image of having their teeth knocked out or something like that and still being more. And I think he kind of lives that, uh, lives that mantra. Yeah, and I didn't find either. It was it's like he's speaking directly, whereas some of the other tracks, as you mentioned, develop a persona or some sort of character. Mm-hmm. Whereas this song, it's more confessional. I found, and uh, for that reason, yes, yeah, struck me uh, struck me deeper. Okay, um, if you were to. Uh... Uh, kind of conclude this album a little bit in your thoughts what would you how would you kind of speak about it 
So I would characterize the album as being a record that has a, a broad range, but fundamentally encompasses R&B, soul, funk, and some new subgenres of punk rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I agree with that. Um, there's definitely a noviceness here, I think where he's he this is a debut album but there's so much ambition and and intent and creative uh juices flowing here that um i would say that it it does a really good job with some of its pacing and and keeping itself the tempo going and its creativity and song ideas are always coming out new Uh, i just think there's a little bit too much a little too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes I think he's going a little too too far in in that direction that it kind of takes away from the track. And sometimes when he strips back a bit, uh, he he accomplishes just as much. Uh, so I would say that there's a little bit of a um, a learning experience here with uh, with Genesis as he's kind of coming into his own, and maybe he will develop further going down the line with just as creative and just as unique. Uh, voices and, and commentary and songs and inf- influences, but maybe he can clean it up a little bit. And I think it's a, a little dirty around the edges, but there's so many great songs on this, so many peak and so many so many hits that uh, I was really pleased with uh, with how this album turned out, even with some of its minor uh, my minor gripes. Yeah, similar to what I was saying about Pupil Slicer last week, it's uh, it's an example of a debut artist that, as you were saying, is so full of ideas, ambition, and wants to, and is so earnest and wants to do such a good job that they sort of overdo it a little bit, right. and as a result, the album can sometimes seem like it's a little bit uh, it's sprawling it's not it's not as focused as it could be at times right because right. it's trying to do too much and, and there's like concept there is a kind of like a concept album under in here as well um that he does talk about a bit different subjects and stuff so i enjoy that uh you can definitely tell that this guy is inspired by kendrick and and how he f- formulates his albums but i think he's a little uh uh, novice and uh, I'll say immature or green in terms of how he wants to put his albums together and how he wants to convey his voice uh, and I think that will come with time and I think will that come with more experience and a little more uh, uh, discipline mm-hmm. yeah so I, I, in the end um, I was very happy with this album um, what would you put in uh, as kind of your uh, Try this song, your toe in song. Toe in song, hey. I think it's, yeah, it's a little bit of a trick. Go ahead. Why don't you go? Go ahead. You seem like you've got a clear idea. I don't. Uh, well, I was actually going to give you a little bit out because I think this album, because of its context of versatility and variety, is hard to pick a song to encompass um, the entirety of the album and kind of what you're going to experience. So I kind of want to suggest two songs to kind of give a little bit of A and a little bit of B. Um, mm-hmm. I think a song about fishing uh, would be there, and maybe Whipcracker. I would put those. Okay, two. yeah, yeah, me too. I was definitely going to say Whipcracker, and then I was flirting with yeah, 
no looking back which is or the, maybe yeah your mirror the mirror of a, a song of a fishing for yeah me. yeah so I, yeah. I can agree with that um how'd you uh end up rating it i think i'm gonna settle on a on an eight yeah I agree. if it was if it was if it was tighter i would give it a nine mm-hmm but it's just missing that it is missing the sort of focus that a nine needs to have. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, uh, this is definitely leaning towards a nine. And again, if there was just a little bit of cleaning, a little clean around the edges, uh, a little more focus, a bit of trimming, just some small stuff. Uh, a good editor or a good uh, producer could come in and, and help with this. Um, uh, he would definitely move up to a nine. Or, or maybe even a 10 if it really kind of got down to the core songs that were just really uh, really there. Um, I really enjoyed the album. I was pretty content with this. I think this is a fantastic debut release. 8 is going to be my score as well. Strong recommend attached to that. I think a lot of people would, will find something on this album to enjoy. Yeah, it's, it pulls from so many influences that and it, it keeps on. It surprises it surprises me when when I listen to it because, as you mentioned earlier, with the vocal performances, sometimes you feel like you're listening to a different artist. Sometimes, well, absolutely, because again, he 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 goes from his Prince pocket where he's really kind of like embodying him to a pocket where it feels like he's embodying Kendrick to another one where he feels like he's embodying an old soul singer and then. Somewhere else, he's he's embodying MC Ride, and it's like it's all his own voice, and he kind of goes all over the place. That it's hard again to suggest the Towin song, uh, but it's also hard to describe the overall package that you get here. I just think that I listen, and you'll definitely find a lot of songs in here if you have a little bit of patience to go through that you'll definitely enjoy. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I. We were talking uh, a little bit before we start that there's a few albums I think we're really excited to cover. Uh, uh, we definitely got Shushu coming down the line. I believe uh, Death from Above was also one we're talking about. Uh, Both released today. It's a good release day, absolutely. Um, I think this was a good uh, album to kind of wet our palate before going into those, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, so one or yeah, one of those albums will be coming at you next week. Right. There's a. I also wanted to talk. I wasn't sure if I was going to put it here or wait for another omnibus, but I did listen to another album um, in the last uh, week um, from a uh, artist called Lil, a little Marquillo, uh, if I pronounce that right. It's only like seven songs in sixteen minutes, right? It's a very hype. Mm-hmm. It's a hyper pop album, and it's characterized. And this is gonna sound. It's gonna. It's not gonna be for everyone. I, I'm gonna. <laughs> I, I I don't know how to explain this. It's. Um, how, how about I read the titles of the songs for you, and maybe you'll get an idea what I'm talking about. Uh, first, um, song, first song. Uh, it's called "Hi, I'm a Slut." Uh, <laughs> uh, third song, "100 Dicks," uh, and seventh song is "Cat Boys." And, and these are these hypersexual, hyperpop, kind of kind of the persona of a a hentai character, singing these hyper hyperpop choruses in these short uh, BD songs, and it's like, it's so good actually, but it's full of like this energy, 
and personality that is really unique and it's not going to be for everyone and it definitely won't be uh, but I thought this was a great editing and very interesting and I, I'm curious how uh, where she goes from here this is uh, definitely something unique that I think some people might want to check out yeah I was buying you listening to this artist on Spotify earlier this week and so I clicked on the artist and then I seen the name, names of the songs the first one being called I am a slut and I thought well my god that's intriguing <laughs> and then I clicked on her bio just to see how she describes herself and she describes herself as like uh, like it's all over the place as a hyper pop and then she says something about metal yeah. and a few other a few other genres she references yeah, she definitely has and... this like uh, metal performances on some of these songs where she goes and screams parts of it. It's very unique. Okay, yeah. it's this, uh -huh. it's a very like Gen Z kind of artist that uh, I think I think is it it hits this like guilty spot for me, where like I'm kind of like listening to it in like this car crash kind of way, but like I'm actually genuinely enjoying it. So it's okay. like I, I have to come to terms with that. I like this album. Uh, <laughs> and, and I, I want someone else to listen to it and uh, rationalize my uh, my appeal here. It definitely seems a little bit on the campy side, but uh, it seems like some of these, especially younger artists who are part of the Gen Z generation, they are... It's almost like they're playing a type of character or something. They're like these like, exaggerated personalities. This is definitely the case for this one. Uh, it's a hypersexual, hyperpop. That's uh, uh, basically all I can tell, uh, say about it. And I uh, hope some people go and uh, give it a listen. That's a light recommend for you at the end of the episode here. And what was the name of the artist again? Uh, little Marikiko. Uh, M-A-R-I-K-O. Okay. Cool. All right, maybe you'll maybe if you listen to it, Zach, you'll have to give me your uh, your response on next week's episode because I I think you'll hate this, but, <laughs> but that's fine with me. That's fine with me. Yeah, I checked it out, and when I looked at the profile, I I clicked away. Very. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With a very awkward, having a very awkward feeling. <laughs> Yeah, this the whole. There's a. I'm pretty sure Cat Boys, for example, is a pegging anthem. She talks about pegging um, her Cat Boys, uh, and not gonna take it easy on them. And then she wants her Cat Boy jizzies, and it's just, it's cringe, but it's also so good. It is. It's great. It can, <laughs> I can't. It just gets stuck in my head, and I, uh, I just like it. So I'm not even gonna defend it anymore. Uh, sounds interesting. What can I say? Exactly. And it's again, it's a 16 minutes quick listen. Um, but we'll be back next week uh, with one of those albums. Uh, maybe a different album. We'll see. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, you'll enjoy it. We've been definitely looking forward to the Shoe Shoe record. So I'm excited to really sink my teeth into that one. All right. Until next time. Until next time.